The free agency position previews continue today looking at the shooting guards. Tyler Smith from Andy Sports Legends is going to join us to talk about a position and more flex than people think, plus some wings, some youth, some athleticism, some good fits with the Pacers. We get to it all today on the Locked On Pacers podcast. You are Locked On Pacers, your daily Indiana Pacers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. of the Locked On Pacers podcast, where we, of course, talk about the Indiana Pacers, as always. My name's Tony East. I cover the team for Forbes and SI, and today it's free agency position preview day number two, looking at shooting guards the Pacers could be after this summer. I thought this position was a little more set than it was after diving in. We'll explain why today. Tyler Smith from Indy Sports Legends been on the Pacers beat for a while. Will join us to talk all things shooting guard, Buddy Heald, Ben Matherin, other guys, plus all the free agent names you want to hear about, the best players on the market, the best fits with the Pacers, who might make more sense than you think, and why this position is way more interesting than I thought before this episode even started. We'll get to it all today with Tyler. Let's just get right to it. The free agency previews continue by position today, moving to two guard in the traditional sense of positions, the wing spot, the off-ball guard spot, the whatever you want to call it in the modern sense of positions. Joining me to talk free agency at the shooting guard spot for the Pacers is Tyler Smith from Indiana Sports Legends, been on the Pacers beat and the IU beat and the Cubs beat for forever. Tyler, this is a more interesting position than I thought. What about you? What do you think? I agree, especially when you consider the crazy amount of different scenarios this offseason could bring. You know, I think a lot of people are kind of thinking about shooting guard as uh, maybe an afterthought. But I'll tell you what, there's a lot of scenarios in play, and, and this one could get real interesting, as you said. Yeah, I originally, so to start this off, I just made a depth chart of all the guys they have under contract for next season at every position. And the only two guys I put at the two were Buddy and Ben. And not Drew, who could start and or do a number of things. I have no idea where to put him in theory. But then, I haven't heard this yet, but but Sky Agnes wrote the whole report about it. When Matherin was doing his NBA Finals media duties uh, on ESPN2, apparently he said that he thinks he might start at the three next to Buddy and Tyrese next year. So if he's at the three, then you only have one, two guard, and it's Buddy Heald. And Buddy Heald also has an expiring contract uh, and could, with his shooting skills, be very valuable to other teams as well. He's also very valuable to the Pacers, don't get me wrong. But it's just like, you know, at first when I just said, okay, they they have these two shooting guards. We'll see who's the starter and who comes off the bench. And maybe that is still what happens. Then they don't need to pursue somebody as much. But if they realize that they only have one veteran with one year left on his deal and Matherin's truly playing the three, all of a sudden it's like, oh, they might, they might need somebody here, right? Like somebody kind of good. Yeah, I mean, I think part of that, they're just trying to get ready for any scenario and letting the players know. So obviously a guy like Ben, it's like there's, you know, you got to prepare for anything coming in this offseason. You're not going to, even if the plan is to trade Buddy Heald, you know, Ben Matherin's probably not going to be privy to that information. And and the Pacers <laughs> may, not, may not even know. Um, they may be seeing right. what's out there and they may have some ideas on the big board and, uh, you know, A, B, and C doesn't work out. D falls into your lap. And all of a sudden you got different plans than you, you know, maybe originally thought, but I think it's a good, good idea to tell, uh, tell Matherin that you could be at the two or three prepare for either way. And we'll see what happens. A lot of the, the shooting guards that are out there though, if the Pacers pursue, uh, unless it's 
later in the offseason, a guy off the bench, I think it's going to be guys that want starter minutes and starter money. So that also adds yep. to the intrigue. Yeah, to be totally clear, I, I, I'm i not saying that what Ben said is exactly what's going to happen or anything like that, but just like another data point to add in when you think about what this team could look like. Because they do have, outside of Halliburton, who's obviously going to be the starting one, there's a lot of guys who can do a lot of roles in their backcourt, and it makes it kind of tough to project what everybody could be like. Neesmith played some two minutes last year. Duarte did two years ago. It's hard to project, and yet I still come back to the same thing I kind of said with point guards where it's like, yeah, in theory, if the if all 12 guys they have under contract right now are on the team next year, which seems exceedingly unlikely, but if, if, I still think any position where you can get a, a player with size who can defend, it doesn't matter what you traditionally call their position, the Pacers could use that player, right? They had so many small lineups last year, they struggled so much with defense, so on the point guard episode, I talked about, like, Io Dasunmu, Delano Banton, like, yeah, maybe they don't have a good role in the Pacers, but because they're big and can play defense, like, maybe. And at the two guard, there's a lot more of those because two has be, kind of become a wing position at times in the NBA even. So there's a lot more guys who, you know, we'll use Spotrack's list of shooting guards that are shooting guards. I have to do a lot of air quotes. But in theory, would still fit the Pacers' needs if they can play the three, play up, can guard up, have size, or even have rebounding skills. Like, we probably won't get – well, maybe we'll talk about this guy. But like a Josh Hart, for example – can rebound like crazy, even though he's not huge, is a great fit. Like, there's a lot more good fits here than there are at the one, obviously, even if the Pacers don't make any changes because they need certain skills. Yeah, and one guy you haven't mentioned yet, I say how about a, a 10-year, $1 billion contract for Lance Stevenson? Um, that would get <laughs> that would get uh, butts in seats and the field house would be rocking, air guitars going everywhere. And um, Yeah, you mentioned, though, like – priority of this offseason and and as we said so many scenarios like i think that um priority one and kevin pritchard's talked about it we're trying to bring in the most talent possible to the organization that's priority one but the other priority is they got to find multiple guys that can actually guard wings i mean when you have when you score the most points in franchise history hit the most threes in franchise history and you miss the playoffs i mean part of that is the new era of the nba but also shows how weak the defense was. So they got to find multiple guys that can guard the wings. And again, whether the combo play two, three, four, whatever it is. So quite a few names on this list though, that can, that did uh, rate pretty well defensively. So um, we'll see what happens. Yeah. The need for defense is kind of across the board, but I think it too specifically like healed is just, <laughs> but he's got ways to go there. Like even when Pritchard was talking about a potential healed extension, like you, the defensive undertones were obvious when they were trying to find the right role there. And Matherin, I think we'll get there. He's nosy on the ball, but has a ways to go defensively too. He's talked about his off ball defense being a point of growth. He wants to be a great two way player. That's awesome. Still got to do it. They could use defense at this position, maybe more than like, like a per player defensive ability number. If you to put it on them, I think two would probably be their worst position. So adding defense there, particularly important, even if they already have depth at this spot. So there's a lot of reasons for them to add it to just for what they need. But it's a, also just to go back to the beginning, like if you lose Buddy Heald in what it's June right now, like if he doesn't sign an extension next February, you're like, well, crap, we could lose him for nothing. Like Buddy Heald could not like this is just I'm not saying this will or won't happen. Just saying that this is a possibility like eight months from now, Buddy Hield could not be on the Pacers. Like you just need guys. You might just need guys even beyond specific mm-hmm. skills. So I think this position is a little more flux than it kind of seems like from the outside. Yeah, I agree. And I think 
I keep going back to this, but you think of these scenarios of who they end up drafting. Do they end up staying at seven? Do they move up? Um, who they get with that pick um, obviously could dictate other things. Right, right. A guy falls in their lap. Some guys, their their free agency is going to blow up, and maybe the Pacers didn't expect it. You never know what the market's going to be for certain players. Some of the guys that are still playing or that you know went on a deep run in the playoffs, and maybe their market uh, it just skyrockets and you know, a small market like the Pacers kind of fall out of the running for certain guys. So, man, it's fun when you're playing 2K and you're uh, playing fantasy basketball and you're thinking of the different moves, but um, that's got to be a really tough position. Uh, a lot of fun uh, because of the scenarios and the flexibility that they have. Um, what, do you, what do you use the word last year? Optionality? Optionality, the yeah. The ship yeah, turning whatever direction. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the, the other thing, I brought this up with ones, it's like, it has to be the right fit for the player too, which can make this a little tricky because like if you're an agent of a of a air quotes shooting guard position, whatever, and you look at the Pacers, you're like, you guys have Buddy Heald and Ben Matherin. Like, my guy's never gonna play. Like, you know, you, you they have to know something that they're gonna be playing decent minutes or playing a role that makes sense, or like clearly helping the team. So like even if you could, you know, dream up that like I just said Josh Hart would be a good fit. We'll talk about him later. Like one, why would he leave the Knicks? But two, it's like, okay, then what? what's the ripple? If I'm Josh Hart, I'm like, well, what are you changing otherwise? Or am I actually playing the three? Or what else is going on? Like, that's why it's not so easy with some of these positions to just go, well, this guy's a great fit. Well, maybe, but like it would take spending a lot more on him or moving somebody else to make that happen. And then it becomes less tenable. So this position, especially with Matherin on the team and looking likely to be a starter next year in some way, you know, it's a little harder to just squint and go, well, this guy makes sense. You have to actually like think about what they would want at the same time. Yeah, I think the Pacers as a small market will probably end up having overpay and money talks, but um, they've got a little bit of flexibility with the cap, not as much as what some people, uh, I think, kind of assume uh, based on recent moves and everything. But, you know, that's uh, that can be a good thing and a bad thing. Um, I'm trying to think in you know recent memory who they ended up overpaying, maybe Dante Jones or somebody, <laughs> um, somebody that they valued – um, but you know, as a small market to get them here, especially if their role is a little bit uncertain, um, show them the money and, and we'll see if they're, they're a good fit. Hey guys, short little break. So I can talk to you about eBay motors for a championship team. It's all about making sure every player is a perfect fit. It's the same when it comes to your vehicle. Every part needs to fit just right. So the next time you need parts and accessories, head to eBay motors with eBay's guaranteed fit. You can be sure every part you need fits right the first time around. Just add your ride to my garage and look for a green check to know the part will fit or your money back. Because just like in sports, confidence is the name of the game when you shop on eBay Motors. And with over 122 million parts to choose from, you'll be back in the game in no time. After all, it's easy to bring home a win when the right parts are guaranteed. Get the right parts, the right fit, and the right prices on ebaymotors.com. Let's ride eBay. Guaranteed fit. Only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. For sure. Uh, let's talk about the best free agents at this position, best players in general, and if any of them actually make sense. But we can skip uh, one guy, <laughs> the only all-star tiered player on Spotrac shooting guard list. Tyler Smith is James Harden. Did you give? Would you give a zero chance he's on the Pacers? A negative zero chance? Um, a negative infinity chance? What kind of number would you put on this? Do we even need to talk about this? Like he's he's the only all-star tiered player. He's very good. He can kind of play the one as well. It's also worse than Tyrese Halberton now. Like it doesn't it doesn't make any sense for him to be on the team anyway. So yeah, he's fine. He's learned to play off ball a little bit, but uh no, we're gonna skip that. We're gonna move on. 
There's a million guys, though, in the starter tier of the two guards on Spotrack's thing. And some of them I really like for this Pacers team. The second one, actually, is one of my favorite fits. Shining in the finals right now. That's Bruce Brown. He signed with the Nuggets this past offseason. I don't even know if I would have called him a two if you asked me before this exercise. Because he can kind of guard forwards. And that is sort of what I think the key part of any signing the Pacers might pursue is. Can you guard forwards at all can you guard up at all can you switch or are you just limited to guarding one position bruce brown i wouldn't even have said guards guards that often he seems like a great fit there's some other guys in this tier that are interesting like josh hart like i said um there's some restricted guys who are good too uh josh richardson i want to get to him later but in general is there anyone who stands out to you among this group of like oh this guy's not amazing and maybe could be available that makes sense as a pacer target i put on my list bruce brown jr so uh yeah, obviously him having an opportunity to just hit free agency and see what's out there. I saw a couple projections in the four to five year for 14, 15, 16 million a year range. Um, so that's, you know, with his, with his run in the playoffs and what he's showing, um, classic case there of a guy uh, getting the bag, uh, going through the playoffs. But he had a really good season. He's 26 years old. Um, being able to guard multiple positions is really going to fit the Pacers pursuit of trying to guard anybody and Carlisle's, uh, you know, desire to play positionless um, at times on both ends of the floor. So he jumped out, you know, you mentioned Josh Hart. Um, obviously Reeves is not going anywhere. Uh, I was a little surprised. A couple of the guys had better defensive ratings than I had thought. So Gary Trent jr. Who's 24 and can, you know, really shoot at and score at different times. Um, got the bird rights in uh, in Toronto, but a lot of intriguing names. I'm, I would say Karis Levert's a no-go, but um, <laughs> what do you think about – actually, I was going to ask you this too, that the fact that Buddy Heald at least played a couple games off the bench at the end of last year, does that were – they, were they trying anything or just trying to give Matthew more minutes? Are we trying to look at these guys in the starter tier as a way of saying, hey, we'll bring Buddy off the bench if he's still here? Yeah, Buddy's role is a really interesting kind of talking point to me in general because – I'm a big actions over words guy when it comes to like transactions and projecting what a team could do. So like then moving him to the bench is one thing, but also then Kevin Pritchard matched that actions with, with when Dustin Doperic asked him about extension stuff. And he's like, well, we got to find the right role for Bunny Hield and a role that he thinks is good for him. And then, yeah, maybe if it makes sense at that point, it's like, if he's not starting and he, you know, he's in this role that's smaller than maybe he wants or smaller than his salary, like you don't want to extend that guy, but then he's on an expiring deal coming off the bench as a 30 plus year old, like given the Pacers direction, is that someone you want to pursue long term? I don't know because he's good. He's a good player. He can shoot really well. They need that. He plays all the games after their last era. They love that. And he fits well with Tyrese Halliburton. There's a lot of pros to keeping him with this team. It's just, is he going to love that role? Is it going to make sense for him? What's the money like if he is a bench player, whereas he could maybe start somewhere else or really help a contender? I don't know what his future is, but yeah, I think there are questions about, or at least from me, I don't know what the team is thinking, but about what that's actually going to look like. And it might depend on who they can get or who they end up drafting, all sorts of things. But yeah, I think that the fact that they were trying Matherin as a starter and the fact that Pritchard talked about his extension that way certainly points to some sort of decision tree coming for him and what his role is going to be. Yeah, who else on here? We got Deep Vincenzo. We got Malik Beasley. Well, he's got a club option. We got uh, yeah, I didn't mention Jordan Clarkson yet. He's a little bit older, thirty, almost thirty-one. 
can really get buckets. Okay. Not sure he's a fit. He's one too that his defensive rating was a little better than than what I had assumed, I guess. But um, yeah, I think there's some better fits in there. So another fit I really like in here besides who we've talked about a little bit in Hart and Brown uh, is Josh Richardson. Josh Richardson because of his size. Um, if again, like Bruce Brown, if you before I even looked at the list of where these guys were put positionally on Spotrack, I would have said, yeah, he's a three. You know, he's six six, right? And part of the appeal. When look, this was dumb, but when the Sixers traded Jimmy Butler to the Heat and got Josh Richardson back, was like, oh, Josh Richardson's kind of good. This will turn out okay. It didn't. He's not nearly as good. That was stupid of them to do. But he is a good player. Like he's helped the Celtics. He's helped the Spurs. He's helped the Pelicans this past season. He can guard. He can shoot a little bit. Like you, he's one of those guys that if he's on your team and you're watching him all the time as executive, you're like, dang, I wish he was like a smidge better at everything. But he's still good, and the fact that he can play mm-hmm. on the wing and kind of shoot threes and kind of play D, I think that's kind of exactly what the Pacers need at that spot. And the size is the big one for me because, you know, even Bruce Brown, who I'd classify as a wing, he plays huge, his wingspan's huge, but, like, he's still short. You know, a lot of the guys at this position are not massively tall. Like, Richardson being 6'6", six, six, I think is significant. Like, even Malik Beasley, who I think is tall when I watch him play, he's like 6'4", right? Like, 6'6 six, six is a sizable player. I think Richardson is a good fit. Like, specifically, he'll be the guy in the thumbnail for this because of that size. He can guard up easily, and they need that. Like, he's he's taller than Neesmith. He's Matherin's height. He's probably taller than Matherin. He's taller than Duarte. Like, they just need size so badly, and he can provide it and use it functionally on both ends. I think that's, that's a good one in this group. Yeah, I agree. That would be a good fit. Question for him as well, again, depending on the rest of the roster, is he a guy that would – uh, you know, be interested in multiple roles, starting, coming off the bench. Um, obviously, the, the money would be there. There's probably going to be a good number of suitors. I think he made says he made about 12, 12.2 million uh, this season. So, um, you know, you got to you got to pay up for good players, even if they're good role players. So um, it's going to be really interesting to see. I, I still think the shooting guard position will probably become more of a priority depending on other moves as opposed to being like this top option that the Pacers are going for, but um, you could see multiple scenarios where it does come in play. So a guy like Richardson, somebody to keep an eye on. Yeah. And a bar for me randomly to, to bring up here is comparing their talent level to Aaron Neesmith's. If they're going to be able to play on the wing, like if they're worse than Aaron Neesmith, there's no role at all for them next season. Like they'd be behind all the guards we've already talked about and Neesmith already. Neesmith's going to get better. Presumably he's still young. Like, they would just never play. Even at the three, they'd probably never play. So, yeah, maybe they would come to the Pacers and expect some sort of role. But at some point, they'd be out of the rotation. And all the guys we've said are like at least $10 million players. I think people need to ke- to get to where the cap's going to be, by the way. Like some players are going to get some money this summer. And it's going to I think people are going to have to catch up because like I forget who I was. Oh, yeah. Austin Reeves number is going to be huge. And people are going to be like, huh? But it's totally fair. Like the cap's going up a lot. Mm-hmm. Like these are all at least $10 million players we've talked about, even if they aren't like league changing talent. So I think that's going to be a thing to catch up. Other guys in the starter tier on Spotrack, Max Struess, DiVincenzo. You talked about Karis LeVert. Like they're kind of more offensive. Struess can kind of play two ways. And so just that alone even if they have good size and can shoot like, yeah, they're good NBA players makes me think they're not as good of Pacers fits as some of the guys we said, just because of their need for defense and size. Do you agree with that? Absolutely. It's got to be a huge priority, the size and defense, no matter where you find it. I mean, if this team wants to realistically, you know, get into the playoff mix and, um, you know, start building, uh, 
they, they just got to do it. I mean, it was some nights we're sitting there watching and it's just like, I think what was a Bradley Beal a couple years ago that said we can't guard a parked car. And we kind of <laughs> felt like we kind of felt like that at some games in Indy last year. Yeah, it was. I mean, it, it, it's like it was weird because even their games where it felt like they were connected and playing their best. Sometimes they just didn't have the size. Right. And like even my the Miami Heat are in the NBA finals right now. And part of the reason they lost game one is just that the Nuggets were bigger than them. Like size is just a built in advantage. It's important. And you're allowed to not have size and win. It's not like size equals win. But it's just a built-in advantage if you have skilled size. So if you're breaking ties between these players, the taller one can be valuable, especially for a Pacers team that is going to have a ton of, not shorter, but they don't have any really, besides McConnell, like actually short players. They just have a lot of like size, six foot four to six foot six guys. If you can exceed that or play bigger than that, I think that is important. One more break here, guys, so I can talk to you about the people who make my favorite shorts, and that is Bird Dogs. Bird Dogs make you look good with shorts and pants. For any occasion, their stretch khaki shorts are designed to fit slimmer through the thigh and your leg, giving you a truly sculpted look. I love them. My girlfriend loves them. Their shorts do the exact same thing as Lululemon, but fit way better. They fit better than regular shorts that are made of a stiff, restricting cotton, and they fix the issue of those kind of shorts by inventing cloud fit fabric that looks just like khaki, but stretches. You get way slimmer fit without having to sacrifice movement. They use anti-stink sweat fabric that helps you keep cool and dry all day long. I'm not wearing them at this exact second, but I would show you if I could. I wore them all weekend, and I highly recommend you check them out yourself. Go to birddogs.com slash LockdownNBA and enter the promo code LockdownNBA for a free Yeti-style tumbler with your order of Bird Dogs. That's birddogs.com slash LockdownNBA for a free Yeti-style tumbler alongside your shorts. You could wear them to anything, the golf course, work if you can, whatever. You won't want to take your Bird Dogs off. We promise you. Check them out. Birddogs.com slash LockdownNBA today. Uh, I want to move. I, I call this realistic targets. We've already kind of been going through that already, but I want to move through another group of guys that I view as air quotes realistic because of either uh, a small role would be coming their way or just because I think they could play enough positions that would make them a good fit for the Pacers. Let me throw two your way. They're both young, can defend, athletic, can play the three for sure. Uh, one is Jasa Koji. I thought it was a Kogi, by the way, for his whole career. Uh, it, we got a pronunciation guide. It's a Koji uh, who just had a wonderful bounce-back season with the Suns, was debatably in their starting five at times. I don't know why Phoenix would let him get away, but he's only like a 8 to $10 million guy and can defend and rebound like crazy. He's really good at that for his position. Hammy Diallo is the other one. Uh, just had a good season again with Detroit. He high flyer, can defend up, has some size. He's a little scrawnier, so maybe his size is more just height. Um, but those two guys, they're both youngish too, make some sense to me where the Pacers sign them. I'd go, yes, I get that. I see where maybe they won't play every day, but the role would exist for them and how they would fit with this team. Yeah. And you got to keep the tradition going of Pacers acquiring uh, recent sons. Uh, <laughs> That's right. DJ Warren, Jalen Smith tried to get Aiton. So yeah. Would you say a Koji, a Kogi? What'd you say what it was? How do you pronounce it? I, th- I, I, so I thought it was a Kogi forever. But then I heard it on, I can't remember what broadcast, someone said a Koji, and I thought, that's not right. And then I looked it up, and sure, I think that is right after looking it up. So yeah. it's a Koji. <laughs> what do I know? A Koji, yeah. Yeah, I think uh, that would be an interesting interesting fit, 24 years old. Um, no bird rights there for him, so kind of up in the air, anyone's game. So, yeah, I would I would lean towards him out of the two. Um, yeah, I saw, actually saw a uh, – I'm trying to remember who who reported it. They were talking. It was more just opinion piece. They were asking about 
uh, Will Barton. I wasn't as, as big on that one, uh, a little older there. He's 32 and pretty expensive. So decent player, obviously, but you know, I, I would lean towards those, uh, those other two that you mentioned. Barton, I, I actually noted here him and Justin holiday because Pacers fans know Justin holiday. Well, they're on this list. I, I view them more as threes than twos and like a vet three at depth there. Sure. They wouldn't play over Neesmith to me, either of them, but Will Barton's such a unique player. Like, he was really, not really good. He was really solid for, like, his whole last contract, and then it was just awful, awful this past season. Couldn't even get on the floor for the Raptors at the end of the year. It's like, what is what are teams going to believe about what skills he could have? Does anyone else stick out to you? Because I have a few more I want to run through if you don't have anyone else you want to really dive into. Um, not really at the bottom of this list because I kind of felt like, the if the Pacers are going to get anybody from the shooting guard position, um, and I think that would probably end up being with a Buddy Heald trade happening for it, I think they're going to go for somebody higher up who has an opportunity to be a starter. Um, but I could see later in the offseason they need need a position, and some of these guys are available with some intrigue. And um, I was questioning too about like TJ McConnell, his role if he ends up getting dealt. You got Nimhard as the backup one, but if McConnell's still here, Nimhard's too good um, to not play. So you think he's going to play combo minutes, maybe some of the two. And uh, even that just kind of takes away, I guess, some of these uh, deeper end uh, free agents this position. But who else do you have on yours? Yeah, L- McConnell's weird too because like Nimhard could just be their best premier defender next year. So then you want him to yeah. start and guard up a little bit, but then you need a backup. Well, it's like there's just a lot of players who – have a good case for minutes in the backcourt for them next year. So that's why signing someone for to a significant role would immediately make me think that something else is going to happen domino wise with this group. And you, you know, we've talked about healed a lot. Maybe it's him. Maybe it's McConnell. Maybe Matherin's playing the three like he surmised on TV again. I haven't seen that. Scott Agnes put it in Fieldhouse Files. But um, okay, another one. He's restricted, so this seems unlikely, but this team could kind of change their path. They have the third overall pick, the Portland Trailblazers. How about the team defense king to solve a team's defense? Matisse Thybul. He can't do anything on offense. He's not a good shooter. He couldn't even get on the floor for the Sixers. Man, that guy can defend. I mean, I don't. You were there, right? There was this game two years ago. The Pacers played the Sixers in Gamebridge. It was the COVID year, so there was no fans. But Pacers were up big in the fourth. The Sixers went to the zone with Simmons and Thybul at the top, and the Pacers could not score at all. I mean, it just changed the whole game. And like. That's one game, of course, but like his whole career, he's just been like this blow up plays, unique. No one can, like I, I actually think no one can defend like Dybul in the league. Not that he's the best defender. He's just really unique, can blow up plays single handedly. If he somehow becomes available, I think that's a very interesting Pacers fit just for his defense alone. Even if he gives you nothing on offense, I think guys can help enough if they can just run next to Tyrese Halburn. He's an interesting fit to me, and he's still young. Yeah, I remember that game. That was a game when the even the automatic crowd noise was not very loud because <laughs> he, was, he was. I don't want to well talk about that era I, very much. That was so like yeah. dystopian. I mean, every part of it, Nick uh, Bjorkren era and the fact, you know, just no fans and it was odd, but um, yeah, I remember, and I, I think I've seen some pace for bloggers in the last couple of years, um, especially two. Yeah. I'd say not so much last year, but the year before talking about his fit um, with Indy when you've, you know, you got a team surrounding a guy like that with offense, then, you know, obviously his 
the black hole that he is on offense is not as big of a deal. So I think the Pacers really owe it to themselves and and the fan base to try to bring in some of those guys that can guard no matter what, even if they can't bring you much on offense. So that'd be an intriguing, intriguing find right there. Got one intriguing from you. Can I give you another one that I would say may be intriguing? You've heard Rick Carlisle talk about wanting athleticism. Uh, This guy played the three for the team he is currently on. I guess their season's over, so not currently on. And he just won a playoff game by himself in the conference semifinals. Lonnie Walker, only 24-something years old, will turn 25 before the season starts. But not not like an ideal fit. He's not that great of a shooter. But, again, can kind of defend. Is athletic, still young. That, that makes, again, it, it, I, he's like probably the line for the Neesmith test. Eh, he's, it's close. Um, I think he could have a role on the team, though, and, and – because he could play the wing, he'd be an interesting one to me. Yeah, that one, I, I was the first thing that went, first image that went to my mind was the famous uh, Shaquille O'Neal meme that I was unfamiliar with your game. So <laughs> I don't know a ton about Lonnie Walker, you know, especially I've got two, two little girls. So watching the West Coast games, not as much anymore. <laughs> but, um, I mean, you know, bring up some interesting points. And I, I feel like, again, with the Pacers having so many of the guys that kind of fit in that good enough to play, but not a, not a stud or maybe not yet. Um, maybe he would be one of those guys that would fit if several other moves kind of went in place. I would love to see the big board go into some of these meetings, the Pacers front office. Um, they've probably got like, how many names do you think they even have as far as like potential, if this happens in this guy, if this happens in this guy, like it's gotta be, especially this year with the amount of picks cap space that they typically don't have. It's got to be a lot. So Lonnie Walker's name might be on there. Pritchard was talking about the modeling, right? If this, then this, or what, whatever they do for their modeling. And when you have more ro- fewer roster spots than draft picks and a ton of space, and now the new CBA says, hey, by the way, that space, you probably should use it before the season starts. <laughs> I mean, they have they have to do something significant, right? Whether that's a trade that adds some salary, uh, a signing that's big-ish, or just something unique. There's a lot of ways that could go. A renegotiation, I think the only guy who can do that is Buddy. Um, eh, a lot of guys could do it before the season. Whatever, it doesn't matter. They have to do something significant, right? And so maybe but like we could talk about all this now, and then maybe draft night, it's like, oh, they traded away four players for someone really good, and now, oh my gosh, they have a huge hole at the two-guard spot, right? Like Their board mm-hmm. has to be insane, not because... There's like a ton of obvious talent available. In fact, this is not a great agency class in general. I think their board's insane because they have to have a busy offseason. Like, I, I feel like I haven't stressed that enough on this podcast. Like, it's not that they should have a busy offseason because they want to be better. It's that the rules say they have to have a busy offseason to, like, feel the team next year. If they want to be good. That matters. But, yeah, it's, it's going to be fascinating to see how they juggle all of these resources and come out with what they feel is a much better team. And... Look, none of it could matter. Like to me, the whole offseason, like if they just extend Halliburton for five years, like that, that's an A. They got an A. But the rest of it all is going to be significant, and I don't know how they're going to pull it all off. And this position's one that's in flux. It's going to be fascinating, especially at the speed at which NBA free agency and trades take place compared to other sports. Um, lifelong baseball fan, man. That sometimes the offseason it just takes for like two <laughs> months before a big move, move, big move happens. So uh, Pritchard and company have to be incredibly ready for multiple scenarios and things to happen, you know, midnight, it's just boom or 3 PM or whatever, you know, whenever it starts, it's just like, didn't know that guy was off the board and this guy's off the board. This, you know, they're calling me about this trade offer and, you know, 
it's pretty crazy. So got to be ready. Somebody needs to tell us, you know, how cool would it be to, to have a show <laughs> later on that kind of dives into a, a trade deadline or an off season. Um, that'd be tough to pull off, but a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, that would be interesting to me just because I always say that I struggle to evaluate trade deadlines because I don't know what a team didn't do because I didn't know what was available to them. I don't know what they were weighing, what was on their board of possible trades. To be able to see that in retrospect would really let you evaluate what was there. And I think that can kind of be true for free agency, right? Like you never know what in principle they could have done or what value players were asking for, any sorts of numbers of things. But yeah, for this team, it's going to be interesting. And this two-guard spot, I think it, 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 if, if they go in with two guys they have right now, they'll be totally fine. They can reposition, you know, a number of guys to play the two if injuries happen. Like they're totally fine. It's not like I don't think it should be a priority. I think everybody knows it should be the forward spots. But you know, I, I think there's an understated th- um, discussion of what this position could be. Like it, there, if Matherin starts at the three and then he'll leave next year, all of a sudden it's a position of need. <laughs> so uh, maybe not urgency, but it would not shock me if they signed somebody at this spot. And it's going to be a fascinating one to see. Do you have any other thoughts on shooting guard or have we gone too long already? Uh, I don't think so. If they're not going to sign Lance, then, uh, you know, <laughs> it's all up in, up in the air. So um, I'm looking forward to it though. It's going to be a blast to cover and follow and, um, man, it's going to move quick once it gets here. So I'm enjoying, I'm glad we have a series in the NBA finals. Didn't think we were going to. Mm-hmm. So glad that's going to be a fun one to watch. It looks like, and, and then, uh, get ready for a ton of Pacers content and news to follow. And, uh, it's going to be fun. And as a podcast talking about the NBA, we have to talk about LeBron and Kyrie and the Dallas Mavericks. Apparently that's enough. I don't, I don't want to waste my breath on that. Um, yeah, who knows what that'll be. This is coming out a couple of days after that report came out, whatever. We just have to cover it. It's like part of the job is just saying those players' names. So we did it. Good job. Tyler, where can people follow you and your work covering the Pacers, the Hoosiers, the Cubs, and many other things in the Midwest? Main thing is Twitter, Tyler Smith underscore ISL, uh, and then also IndieSportsLegends.com. And then I got a link tree on the, on the Twitter that shows some different uh, things that I'm involved with. I remember on Twitter banned link tree for like four hours. That was dumb. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, that was fun. It was not fun. I didn't like that. A lot of things about Twitter scare me these days. (laughs) Tomorrow, we're talking about Anthony Black, a draft prospect that, spoiler alert, I like way more than everybody else, it seems. Not necessarily for the Pacers, but just in general. Dude's a good player. Uh, Next week, talking about Taylor Hendricks, two forward positions. Lots of fun stuff coming here on the Lockdown Pacers podcast. Hope you guys enjoyed today's show. Give Tyler a follow. When you get a chance, I'm on Twitter at Tony R. East. This podcast at Lockdown Pacers. Thank you guys a ton for listening. See you soon.